the trigger warnings for today are going to be death and my story is kind of it's kind of hard to listen to and the audio I will be putting at the end of the story is also kind of hard to listen to um so if you do not want to listen to it you can skip it and come back and hear us on the next episode America. Welcome back to our second episode mm-hmm. where we'll be telling each other uh, scary stories. Yeah, I don't know if y'all remember us stating how we would do a case and then a story, like stories right after that one. But yeah, now we, the yeah. time is here. Yeah. And since it is Hispanic Heritage Month. Y'all, let's let's bring it back here. She didn't even introduce me at all. <laughs> that's, that's cold, G. That's cold. <laughs> all right, run it back. Okay, I'm here with my my always wearing black, no matter what, co-host, Alyssa Toothbrush. Okay. <laughs> hey, everybody. I'm here with my... Say what you gotta say. I would say her feet stank, but they don't. <laughs> her shoe smells really nice. <laughs> like, that's so weird, but... Actually, smells kind of nice. Thank you. I will sniff again. Anyways, um, amazing, <laughs> amazing co-host Christina. Thank you. Thank mm-hmm, you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as rude as you did me, and sorry, I did you good? Sorry, whatever. Um, anyways. I won't hate that bad. What? I won't hate that bad. Okay. We also want to thank anybody and everybody who listened to us. We got a couple listeners from Belgium. <laughs> no, Brussels, Belgium. Mm-hmm. Um, we have international listeners. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pushing that P, baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And we got a bunch of people around the states listening to us. Mm-hmm. A lot of y'all are in on Spotify. Yeah. Not so much Apple. Spotify and Apple. Spotify, Spotify do be popping. Spotify and iOS is our thing. Mm-hmm. Not so much Android. It's okay, Android listeners. Yeah. We love y'all too. Um, We also want to add how hard... why are you laughing about it (laughs) how difficult this podcast shit was it was like we had a job we working together Mm -hmm. and then we quit we did quit of some reasons and then we were like hey do you want to start a podcast and we were like yeah and then here we are but the process that we went through (laughs) it made me want to just i wouldn't say quit i wasn't gonna quit but it made me lose my mind a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Best Buy. Um, Best Buy knows our faces because we kept going in and out. Bruh, we knew their faces. Yeah. I was going to start reciting their names. <laughs> I was going to start talking to them by name. Right. I had about three or four receipts attached to one, the original one. Yes, we've been going through mics because we never found what yes, we wanted. Yes, a tip to whoever wants to start a podcast, do not get the USB mics if you're doing two people. One person's fine, but two people, it ain't going to work. Yeah. And then, you know, we love a good va- Facebook marketplace. Mm-hmm. We found our beautiful audio interface. We don't know a damn shit about audio. Not a damn thing about podcasts. Well, I mean, we had a little bit, but yeah. we, we winged it and we did it. Good job. Yeah, we did it. And we don't have a studio or anything, but, you know, 
We rolling, bro. Local library. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are at the local library. That's fine. Taking over the um conference room. <laughs> and the librarians know us now. Mm-hmm. I don't know when they're going to start calling us by our name, but whatever. But yeah, we just wanted to thank everybody who's listening in. And yes. hopefully we'll, st- we'll st- like stick around for yes, the long please, run. Yeah. Because we're trying to get to CrimeCon. Yeah. And see our fave podcasters. Yes. So, Gruesome, if you're hearing this, we love you. We do. Megan Connie, shout out to Megan Connie. Shout out, out to Megan freaking Connie. Because <laughs> oh, they're really funny. So funny, yeah. yeah. Okay, this episode that we're about to do right now is for all of my Hispanics out there. Because since this month is Hispanic Heritage Month, we're going to be doing um, two stories. I'm going to be doing one in Mexico, and she's going to be doing one in Colombia. And I low-key didn't know, like, Colombians are Hispanic. I don't know, bro. I'm learning I'm learning every day with this damn podcast. I guess. Uh, with I mean, my- that's kind of like a common sense thing, but... Whatever. Whatever, <laughs> loser. Whatever, loser. It's whatever major loser. Okay, sorry. I wasn't a bully in high school. I mean, I wasn't a bully in school, so. I guess. You look like it. I wasn't. You look like it. I wasn't. I was nice. I think. Hopefully. Um. Anyways. Yeah. We got two stories for y'all. Um. Every time I look up a case, I learn about something. Or not even a case. Like a story or a case. I be learning. Mm-hmm. Like this case. I had to take it back to like third grade science class. Because she didn't know what a volcano was. Hey, yes, I do. <laughs> I just don't know what what some terms are, okay? Like what? And I had to watch like a YouTube video or two. I'll get there when I get there. Shit. <sighs> anyway, sorry. Go ahead. It happened back in March of 1989 as a group of college students from the University of Texas took a spring break trip down to South Padre Island. And while on this trip, they decided to go across the Mexican border, and go to the parties and clubs down there. You know, we went to Sao Padre Island recently, and she didn't want to take me across the border. It was okay. so rude. No, let me tell you. I wanted to. Because Shorty here, <laughs> okay, look, I'm I'm Mexican. I'm, like, for real Mexican. So I've been to Mexico. Like, I'm Mexican, too. Look, wait, let me finish. <laughs> okay, go ahead. I've been in Mexico six hours deep in Mexico. Sis here <laughs> has been a Florida, New York. She doesn't know what's down there in Mexico. She's very, um, I was raised. I don't want to say naive. I want to say naive. She's very naive <laughs> when it comes to like stuff like this. Like she thinks that nothing bad will ever happen to her. Cause I'm a bad bitch. Can't kill me. Do you realize we're we're the target for what they want? You realize that, right? Babe, I'm not trying to go six hours deep no, in that I'm, thing. This story's gonna tell you right at the board and just have it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Cut. Sorry. Okay, anyways, this dude was just at the wrong place at the wrong time. Okay, so the story begins. So the four college students they go from Texas, they go down to South Padre Island, which is at the very, very south of Texas, for y'all that didn't know, on the morning of March 11th, 1989. After spending some time on the island, they decided to spend their first night of their very earned vacation over in Mexico. So they hopped into the car, drove down deep in a town that sits right at the border of Mexico, but still in the States. They parked their car and walked over the bridge above the Rio Grande and began their night in 
Matamoros, Mexico. Ooh. The group of students... Sorry, guys. <laughs> Sorry, Mr. Up. Go ahead. The group of friends got a bite to eat, and they made their ways to the bars and clubs where... I they- bet they got the tacos that I wanted. No, they. it was a hamburger joint. Oh, okay, go on. Um, the group of friends got a bite to eat and made their ways to the bars and clubs where they partied and drank for as long as they could. As the night and time kept passing by, they decided it was time to pack up and head back over to the States and go back to the hotel. They realized how much fun they had the night before and decided to go back for another round. Just like the night before, they all piled into the car, drove down to the town border in Mexico, parked the car, and walked across the bridge and began their night. When After the night was done over, they decided it was time to head back. But they realized how crowded it was outside that they could barely move without bumping into somebody else. And since there were four of them, they decided to split into pairs with one pair in the front and the second pair walking behind them. Um, Was it all boys? Yes, it's all boys. Okay, go ahead. The first pair had made it to the start of the bridge, but they had noticed that the other two were still behind and they were waiting to catch up before they crossed over. The second pair consisted of Mark Kilroy and Bill Huddleston. They had stayed a little bit behind because Mark was leaned up talking to a girl that he had seen that night and wanted to go talk to her before they had to leave back to the States. As he was talking to the girl, the guy he was with, Bill, went down an alley to go pee and came back and Mark was gone. Um, I do have a question since yeah. you've been down there. Is it okay? So, you, have you been to that Matamoro city? Uh, we don't usually like walk around like that. Why? Like what they do, it's we don't do that. Why? Because it's dangerous. Oh. We usually, whenever we go to the valley to visit, mm-hmm. we usually go down there for like an hour, get some candy or stuff, like medication, and mm-hmm. then come back. We don't usually stay in like tour, tourist type shit. Um, so is it dangerous at night in that city? Yes. Oh. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> um, so whenever Bill had came back and realized Mark was gone, he assumed that uh, Mark had finished up the conversation with the girl and he had left to the bridge where the other two guys were. So Bill makes his way up to the bridge and meets up with the first two guys and he sees that Mark isn't there with them. So they start to get a little bit concerned, but they think he's like probably with that girl somewhere. And they walk back a little bit to see where if they could see him, where he was talking to the girl and they see that he wasn't there. So they're thinking, okay, maybe he already crossed the bridge and we missed him. Like, you know, he just walked by then. So they ma- so they crossed the bridge. Make- so is, you, is, is the border busy at night? This part is. Okay. Because it's during spring break, too. Oh. So, you know, everybody. Sorry, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go on. Okay, so they make it to the car and Mark isn't there. So they get more concerned, but they're convinced. They convince themselves that. He must have left with a girl and went somewhere, whatever. So they left him behind and decided to go to the hotel. Uh, they go to bed and wake up the next morning, and Mark had no, Mark was still not there. So now they're feeling that something's wrong, and so they go tell the police. They file a missing persons report, but the police turns down the turns them down and says that they get the reports all the time about spring breakers going missing, so that they don't take them serious and they make them wait. 24 hours until see if the person comes that's, back, right? As usual, though. Yeah. I mean, but usually with these cases, people usually, like, show up later with a bad hangover and just, like, mm. dazed and whatever. Okay. 
But most most in missing cases, they're that 24 hours mm-hmm. deal. But so they let the 24 hours pass by and Mark still had not showed up. So now they're like really convinced something really bad has happened. So did they tell the Mexican police that or they told USA? Both. Okay. And they both told them 24? Okay. 24 hours. So they're convinced that something really bad has happened to them. So the police from both Mexico and the U.S. think that foul play was the reason because that town they were in um, is not really a safe place for tourists, especially at night. Matamoros? Matamoros. Okay. Uh, Three weeks go by and still nothing. But then a couple days they get a lead on Mark's case when a drug smuggler ran through the police checkpoint Mm -hmm. at the border without stopping. The police followed him, and the guy stopped up in a hidden ranch up in the mountains. And he 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 got out and ran. No, the car all the way up in the mountains. He, so he got through the checkpoint. Yes, and he took off he with took the truck. Off. Yes, and after the police captured the smuggler, they saw a ranch worker nearby and showed them a picture of Mark and asked if he recognized or seen him. And luckily, he says yes and points them to a shed up in the mountain mm-hmm. and said that's where they took him. Getting close, as they walk closer, they're like about 100 yards away from the shed. They see a big metal, like, it's called a cauldron. Do you know what that is? It's like where the witches be. <gasps> How do you know that? <laughs> I had to look that up. I was like, what is that? <laughs> you ever seen um, Hocus Pocus? No. Oh. I've never heard. Oh, my God. I've never heard of the word cauldron before. Oh, my I'm God. look it up. And I was well, like, Come come Halloween time, we're watching Hocus Pocus. Because okay. yeah. there's a part in it where they're all stirring the cold. I even have it right here in my nose. It says, uh, the thing that witches used to make oh. or whatever. <laughs> wow. Oh, yeah. and, and also on Charmed. Okay. Shout out to the Charmed fans. Okay, go on. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Sorry to digress there. So that thing, the pot was sitting in front of the shed. And when they got closer, they smelled the smell of death. Mm-hmm. So after they were... Questioning the drug smuggler, he admitted that he was part of the gang that had kidnapped Mark three weeks ago while Bill was in the alley doing his thing. And after Mark was done uh, talking to the girl, he had stayed alone, standing there waiting for Bill to come back. And while he was waiting, a man had yelled at him to come help him. So Mark went over to help. And right when he got there, two guys had came from behind the building and tried to grab Mark. But since Mark was, like, a really big, like, fit and athletic mm-hmm. dude, he was able to fight them both off. So then he took off running, but then another car had, like, came around the corner, cut him off. They got him, and they drove him to the road up in the mountains. That's probably my biggest fear. Like, to travel to, like, a foreign country and have people, like, and to even get into a fight in a foreign country. Mm-hmm. But to have someone try to steal you, bruh. Mm-mm. <laughs> I'm gonna start crying right there. <laughs> Call my mama, please. Uh-uh. Mm. So they had left him in the truck up in the mountains, and the next morning they came back and they covered Mark's face with duct tape and everything, but they cut slits by the nose so that he could breathe. But everything else was just covered. His mm-hmm. eyes, his mouth were covered. So they took him out of the car and they walked him up into the shed. And inside the shed was a colt led by a man named Adolfo Costanzo, mm, okay. mm-hmm, who practiced black magic called Paolo. He would perform rituals that involved human sacrifice, in which he told his followers that it would make them invincible to anything. I seen on documentary one time that 
people in Mexico, they practice that. Like, it's kind of common. Like, oh, it's like the, the girl of death. They practice it. It's like a game. I don't know, but I seen it where they... <laughs> I don't know. She's like with death. They uh, praise death or something like that. I guess. I don't know. Oh, okay. never heard of it. But he had claimed that the people that they were going to sacrifice, they needed to be like they needed to die screaming oh, because he believed that the more pain and agony his victims were in, the um, the more power the the gods would grant him and his followers. So. Mark was walked up to the shed where he spent many hours being tortured with the leader and their cult. And Mark was killed hours later when a machete was brought down to the back of his neck. <gasps> so the people there, they usually, they remove Mark's brain and place it inside the the cauldron. Is that mm-hmm. how you say it? Yeah. Yeah. And inside the cauldron, it was like filled with brains and like, animals like turtles and all that shit in there and his legs were also removed so whenever they had they had inserted a long metal wire into mark's torso mm-hmm. and they dug around in there until um they were able to hook the wire into his spine and they buried his torso where they like in the ground uh-huh and they covered him up and they had left like a part so he's just he's just he's he has no arms and no legs at this point it's just like his Stomach and yeah, back it's just and head. His torso. No head. No, they that's machete. That's how they took the brain out. Okay, so they just so okay, it's just, just a tor- his torso. Okay, so they had buried him, and they the wire that was in his spine, they had like uh kind of left it above the ground, so they would be able to come back and rip it out, and mm-hmm. his bones would they would take his bones and make jewelry out of it. What the fuck? Yeah. And so whenever the police had found all that, they had found a total of 15 other bodies in, that were buried in that shed. Mm-hmm. And they believe that the total number of people that the cult had killed was at least 16, but to be closer to 26. And usually the people that he killed weren't weren't randoms off the street like the dude. They were usually rival, rival gang members. So why'd he killed. pick him? I don't know. Just said, wrong place, wrong time. Damn. Yeah. So how old was Mark? Like twenty one, I think. He was a college student. Damn. Yeah. So the the cult leader had fled to Brownsville, mm-hmm. and then left to McAllen, where then from there he flew to Mexico City, where he had his own apartment. And as a police- why did he? That don't make no sense. Why did he come? Why he leave Mexico, come into USA, and then leave Alabama? How did he not get caught? I don't know don't know but as a whenever he was in mexico city as the police were getting closer to his location mm-hmm. um he demanded that his like not his cult but like uh his, his followers yeah but like the people he's closest to his familia yes i guess they had he had ordered them to kill him to shoot him <gasps> so he so he yeah. commit yes. like like murder suicide type deal yeah. So the others who were involved, they had said that they weren't part of the actual killing, mm-hmm. like the sacrifice. It was all the leader, but they were eventually captured and arrested. All of them? Some of them, maybe like two or three. Uh-huh. They were uh, captured and arrested and were sentenced to more than 50 years in prison. Mexico or USA? Mexico. Extradited? Oh, in Mexico. Mm-hmm. So they were gang members pretty much. Yeah, I guess, but it was like, oh. 
Wow. Mm-hmm. I still want to go. But not in the daytime. I mean, not in the nighttime. Yeah. Mm-mm, don't Mm-mm. catch me partying out there. No. But I told her I just wanted to go right up in there and just, I, listen, I just wanted to go up in there and, like, look around, experience it, and then come right back. We can. Go. I just wanted to take a taco or two. We can go whenever your dad comes with us or something. But, like, <laughs> I'm not going with us alone. I can just run back. We just run back real All right, quick. Well, I will stay on the USI. You can cross the bridge. Go do your thing. <laughs> okay. And I'll be waiting for you. Okay. All right. Sounds like a deal. All right. I'm not going to be responsible for your death. And if you I'll get, sign a waiver. And it's if cool. you get captured and I see you. No, you better come rescue I'm me. The fuck? Come rescue you. I'll be like, damn. <laughs> come back around. That's, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Damn. Mm-hmm. I got you. All right. So if you get kidnapped here, I'm going to turn my back on you. But that's different. You want me to save you? Here is here and Mexico's there. That's true. It's kind of scary over there. No cap. <laughs> no cap. No rap cap. But mm-hmm. that's a good story. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we, we did that one for the Hispanic Heritage Month. For the Hispanics. Okay. I mean, Mark was, was, what was Mark? Mark was white. Okay, well. So we're kind of, it was I'm like a Mexican saying, story. Like, yeah, it's more Mexico. Okay, well, thank you for that. Of course. My story that I have here. And it comes with a lot of photos, like a lot, um, and a lot of um, videos. So after the end of this, we are going to tag the video for y'all to listen to on here. And also, we would try to put it on Instagram. And it it's in Colombian, but Shorty can translate it for y'all. It's what? Colombian speak Spanish. It's oh, in Spanish. <laughs> well, it's, see, I don't know. It's in Spanish located in Colombia. Yeah, so it's she can translate it, and I'm going to play it for y'all, and then at the end, I'm going to let her translate it for people that don't know Spanish. We got y'all. All right, so in 1986, there was a photo of a young girl that was famous for being the World Press Photo of the Year. That girl is Omira Sanchez Garzon. She was born on August 28, 1972. Her family consisted of her mother, Maria, Father Alvaro and her brother Alvaro Jr. So at the time this happened, she was 13. But on November 13, 1985, the volcano of Nevado del Ruiz erupted, causing tons of volcanic, volcanic debris and ash to fly in the air, also causing its ice. So, you know, like mountains, they have like the snow on top and stuff. Well, the volcano had like snow and ice on top of it. So when it exploded, the ice caps went flying up and it also melted it. So it's causing a rush of everything to come down, like water and, and all that. And it caused... Um, like a landslide? Yeah, but they call it... It's Is like a mudslide. A mudslide, yeah. It's called a lahara. I mean, lahar. And I didn't know what it was, so I looked it up. And it's pretty much a mudslide. Those mudslides then entered the rivers, which came flowing straight into Elmira City. So the volcano's kind of, I wouldn't say it's close to her city, but the rivers, I think, went past her city. The mudslides consisted of volcanic debris and ice, plus plus much more. It destroyed all the homes in its path, including Elmira's home. But under the rubble, she was still alive. She was pinned underneath the roof of the house, with water around her rising. Rescuers noticed her and were able to pull her up just a little bit, but then realized that if they pulled her up anymore, they would have to break her legs, and they couldn't risk that. 
Her legs were trapped underneath a brick door and her aunt's body beneath her feet. So, okay, so you have the water. It's like up to her neck. In the photos, you'll be able to see it in the videos. It's up to her neck. And underneath, okay, so she was pretty much like bending her knees. It was like she was, you know, like how you're waiting in the water at the beach and your knees are on the, Mm -hmm. like the sand. That's how it was. And the brick door or whatever, the bricks or whatever, was on top of her legs. So they couldn't risk it because they don't have the supplies for it. Like if they were to pull her out and her legs were to be amputated, there was no way of saving her. And it was just going to make her worse. And also read that her aunt's hands were holding onto her feet. Yeah, it's crazy. They decided to put a tire around her body to keep her afloat, which I think they only did it for a little bit and they eventually took it off unless the water, because it kept raining throughout her rescue mm-hmm. or kept raining throughout the time she was there and it caused the water to rise. So I'm either thinking they took it off because in one photo you see it and in another photo you don't. So I'm thinking they either took it off or the water weighed it down or it pushed down on her body, like down lower, you know, like her waist. She had to stay like this for three days, like in the water and stuff. There wasn't much that the rescuers could do because at the time, Colombia was underdeveloped. You know what that is? Under what? Underdeveloped. They were poor. Yeah. So the supplies and help they needed weren't there. And the supplies that they did have, they ran out quick, like stretchers and like shovels and stuff, mm-hmm. like basic supplies. Reporters and journalists came to to see Elmira and to document her experience. I also do want to say that she did agree on the interview. I mean, you can't really you can't really say she agreed on it because she's a minor, but she still agreed. Anyways, throughout the three days of her time trapped, she asked for sweets and soda. There were times where she stated that she was scared and cried, but also there were times where she would pray. She also sang with a German journalist that was there. With the lack of supplies to save her, there wasn't much that they could do. She had already been trapped for 60 hours and her hands began to shrivel up. Like when you're in the tub too long and they just get like really wrinkly. And they also turned white, like super white. Her eyes then began to turn black and it was like they were black, but they were also blood, not not bloodshot, but like the blood came rushing to her eye so they kind of tur- it kind of turned them dark really really dark like the whole eye so were her the circulation to her legs being cut off i'm thinking so because they could not lift her up i mean they pulled her up just a little bit but then they realized that there's something really on her legs and she couldn't go nowhere so i'm pretty positive it was she also began to hallucinate about missing school and having a math exam to do so they had left i'm guessing and they came back but with like a pump to pump the water out. But she had already succumbed to her injuries. Three days later, she had died at 10.05 a.m. on November 16th. They found her father and her aunt already deceased, but luckily her brother did make it. Their mother was on a business trip as a nurse when it happened and only learned of her daughter's death through an interview. Since the volcano was so far away and it was raining, they really couldn't hear it explode and stuff. And they had said that, it had traveled down for two hours before it got to them. So in those two hours, they could have been gone, but they didn't hear it. They didn't see the smoke? It was at night. It happened oh. at night. Yeah, it was pitch black. And there was no way. I don't know if there was no way, but the communications to get to that city, there was none. Mm-hmm. So they had no idea until it hit the, the like the, all the water and the mudslides. They were in the making of an evacuation plan and amongst other things, but it never touched the city. 
that city. Like they were making it for other cities around that because I think it had exploded one time, but they never had the plan for that city. They kind of brushed it off because that city actually sat on other lavar lahars like um like other mudslides that had dried up and i guess they built on it plus there were civil problems going on in colombia already so it masked the environmental problems that were going on and ever since her death she was noticed for her courage and she is mentioned in different arts around the world like poetry and music and stuff like that but also the colombian government set up an office like a it's like national office of like natural disasters, thing like that, to deal with the natural disasters and prevent future tragedies. If they had journalists flown out there, or maybe the journalists were already set up there, but if they had like German, a German journalist and like reporters and stuff, that they should have been able to fly like supplies there, maybe no? Maybe they flew themselves. I guess. But um, it had said that a farmer had showed that reporter to her, and that's how it got all like reported so i'm gonna show christina the photos and she's just gonna i feel like i've seen the photo before once before but i don't know where it was at twitter Mm-mm. like a book or something like a history book well that, anyways she see her hands are white and like but she couldn't go nowhere she was trapped and so her eyes are dark and full of black yeah, I'm not no nurse or I don't I don't know anything about like health or anything, but I'm thinking maybe she had some internal bleeding going on or for her being in the water for so long, you know, 60 hours that maybe it infected her eyes or whatnot. But she was in a very horrible predicament. And there was not much the rescuers could do for her. But we are going to put the audio in from the video that we found. Christina is going to translate it for y'all. Because she did not want to watch the video. She did not want to see anything of it. She just wanted to translate it. So I literally played it for her and she just translated it. And also I'm going to set the scene for those of you who are just going to listen to it and not going to watch it later. So she's in the pool of like dirty, murky, brown water. And she's surrounded by all the rubble, like house, bricks, wood, branches, everything. And she's in the water and it's up to her chin. And she's holding on to a either a branch or a wooden stick. And her hands are wide and wrinkly. And the guy's asking her questions and she's answering them. And then towards the end, she like bobs down in the water a little bit like it comes up to her mouth a little bit and then you can see her eyes like slowly closing and then opening like she's giving up at this point like she's been in for so long and her body can't take much more but they're just asking her questions and stuff and the other people are walking around and like trying to find something to help or do you know this child's in this horrible situation and they don't know what to do but they are going to document what's going on and maybe perhaps show the world what's actually going on in these underdeveloped countries and to really open their eyes and see, oh, yeah, something needs to be done, you know? So here is the video. 
and then Christina will translate it afterwards. Uno de estos corresponde a la menor Oimara Sánchez, de 12 años, la cual sobrevivió 72 horas atrapada por el lodo y el agua en una destruida casa de armero. Todos los esfuerzos por rescatarla fueron estériles, falleciendo la pequeña ante la mirada atónita de quienes intentaban ayudarla. La niña, cuando vino la avalancha, quedó atrapada hasta el cuello por el lodo y entre una plancha de cemento y el cadáver de su tía. No. Ay, voy a quiero decir unas palabras. ¿Puedo? Mamá, si me escuchas, yo creo que sí. Reza para que yo pueda caminar y esta gente me ayude. Mami, te quiere mucho. Mi papi, mi hermano. Y yo, adiós madre. Yo vivo porque tengo que vivir. Y apenas tengo 13 años para morir. No Christina is now going to translate the video. If you stayed past this long, I know it was kind of rough. The man speaking in the beginning is basically starting out by describing the girl and her situation being trapped by the mudslide that had came down. Uh, the the video is then like posted on the little girl, and she's basically saying, "I have a few words that I want to say, Mom. If you can hear me." And I believe that you can pray so that I can walk again and these people can help me. Mom, I love you. My dad, my brother. Bye, Mom. I'm living right now because I have to live. And then she goes on by saying, I'm barely 13. And then the rest, I couldn't really hear it. Yeah. To be honest, I didn't even know there was any video out there of this. I just seen the story, wanted to cover it. And then upon doing more research, I found, like, photos and videos. And I was like, whoa. Whoa. So, anyways, that's all we got for y'all today. We hope you enjoy this episode. And happy Hispanic Heritage Month to all my Hispanics out there. Yes. And if you're half white, it's okay. Like <laughs> me. Shit. All right, guys. I hope y'all have a um good rest of the week. And also... Y'all can leave us a review and give us five stars, please, so we can get our name out there. Next week's episode is going to be Christina telling us about a little serial killer. Mm -hmm. He may not be little, but... Yeah, he's not a little. Okay, well, he's a serial killer. Mm -hmm. So hope y'all stay tuned for the next episode, dropping Wednesday. Bye, y'all. Bye. And as Kylie Jenner would say... Rise and shine. But we say it's crime time. Because this is Good Morning America. America.